Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Hello, Guilty Feminists. I'm about to reveal part two of the Royal Albert Hall show, the biggest show we've ever done. Oh, 5,000 people in the audience. Absolutely incredible. This episode of The Guilty Feminist needs a sponsor. That's how big and glamorous and expensive it is. So we have, for the first time, got one. That's right. Get Around is our sponsor. They're a car sharing app that lets you rent cars in your neighborhood. Just say you don't have a car like me, but you need a car for a few hours or days. You could rent one instantly and unlock it with your phone. It'd be great if a fellow feminist let me do that. Are you a feminist with a car that just sits there when you're at work, not using it and need some extra income for feminist machinations? Then search Get Around in the App Store. Join me there. women have no sense of humor. But if it were not so serious, what is being done by men would create a sense of humor in women. I am sorry if some of the gentlemen in the audience may feel their susceptibilities wounded by what I'm going to say now, but to a woman, it is humorous to see how men seem to think they are fitted to deal with questions which ever since the human race existed have been left to women to manage and which women understand. How children even are to be brought into the world. Men in parliament think they can decide now. 
Well, I, for one, friends, looking round at the muddles men have made, looking round now at the starving children, looking round now at the sweated members of my sex, I say men have had control of these things long enough. woman with any spark of womanliness in her will consent to let this state of things go on any longer. So this year, we are going to settle the business. We are tired and we want to be of use. We want to have this power in order that we may try to make this world a much better place for men and women than it is today. So I appeal to you, women, in this magnificent auditorium, every one of you, to do your part. with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I'll rise. Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard, cos I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me down with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise. Carabelle, George Eliot, George Sand, all the victims of inner strife, as their writings prove, sought ineffectively to veil themselves by using the name of a man. Thus they did homage to the convention, which if not implanted by the other sex, was liberally encouraged by them. The chief glory of a woman is not to be talked of, said Pericles, himself a much talked of man. That publicity in women is detestable. Anonymity runs in their blood. The desire to be failed still possesses them. They are not even now as concerned about the health of their fame as men are, and generally speaking, will pass a tombstone or a signpost without feeling an irresistible desire to cut their names on it, as Alf, Bert, or Chas must do in obedience to their instinct, which murmurs if it sees a fine woman go by, or even a dog. Ce chien est à moi. <laughs> Down the docks, raves in apartment blocks, the fruit machines and slots on boats named after poets. The uses are boarding. On the air coach from Cork, or the go bus from Galway, or at Limerick Junction, wondering if schnackna is really an Irish word. <laughs> the uses are traveling, on their way to get abortions. 
It's over. No more. No way. Because, well, what are nuns doing with multi-million property portfolios anyway? Tonight we are the us's. We are the black jumpers and fist bumpers, the marching drum thumpers, the megaphone wielders, the friends and family who won't wait, who shout, not the church, not the state. Women, Women must, must decide, decide their fate. Don't doubt that just a few can change the world. It's the only thing that ever has. But it won't just be a couple of campaigners who'll see this through. It's you, your mum, your dad, the, the us's. Is. Because what you're feeling tonight when you look around is when you realise that so many strangers are on your side. The, the us's. us's. We'll be on Dublin Castle on another sunny day. Screaming, go, go on, on Ireland, go, go on the Uses. This is our time. Tonight. Today. I want to apologize to all the women I have called pretty before I've called them intelligent or brave. I'm sorry I made it sound as though something as simple as what you're born with is the most you have to be proud of when your spirit has crushed mountains. From now on, I will say things like, you are resilient, or you're extraordinary, not because I don't think you're pretty, but because you are so much more than that. If we studied human history, when humans began, we would know that once the paradigm of society was not the pyramid, not the hierarchy, it was a circle. It was a circle in which we as human beings were linked. We were not ranked, and it is possible to go there again. The ancient languages like Cherokee and many others, they had no gender pronouns. A human being was a human being. What? a concept. There's so much to be learned if you go beyond your boundaries. And now is the time we need to blast those boundaries. We are in a time, in my mind, of maximum change. On the one hand, there is great danger. And I am not, for a minute, diminishing how great that danger is. And on the other hand, we are woke. I never in my life have seen so much organic, sustained, enthusiastic, inventive, creative, and fan-fucking-tastic activism. If you want to have fun and laughter and sex and poetry and music at the end of the revolution, you have to have fun and laughter and sex and poetry on the way. <laughs> when women make love beyond their first exploration, we meet each other's knowing in their landscape. The rest of our lives attempts to understand. 
way the stretch marks on my thighs look human, and that we're so soft, yet rough and jungle wild when we need to be. I love that about us. How capable we are of feeling, how unafraid we are of breaking and tend to our wounds with grace. Just being a woman, calling myself a woman, makes me utterly whole and complete. Wow. That was actually the beginning of the quote, but um, <laughs> wow. Hair is everything. We wish it wasn't so, so we could actually think about something else occasionally, but it is. It's the difference between a good day and a bad day. We're meant to think it as a symbol of power, that it's a symbol of fertility. Some people are exploited for it, and it pays your fucking bills. Hair is everything, Anthony. The amount of maintenance involving hair is genuinely overwhelming. <laughs> Sometimes I think that not having to worry about your hair anymore is the secret upside of death. <laughs> Nowadays, whether my hair is straight and conforming or unbrushed and everywhere, I don't rely on a change in hairstyle for a change in attitude. I've learned how to look after my hair, both when it's in its natural state and when it isn't. But more than that, my hair taught me how to look out for myself. I used to think, I was the strangest person in the world. But then I thought, there are so many people in the world, there must be someone just like me who feels bizarre and flawed in the same way that I do. I would imagine her and imagine that she must be out there thinking of me too. Well, I hope that if you are out there and read this, know that yes, it's true. I'm here and I'm just as strange as you. to allow yourself real pleasure and not worry about how long it takes. <laughs> 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 if it makes you feel better, set a time frame. <laughs> <laughs> Say to your partner, right, I think you're going to have to work on me for close to 45 minutes. <laughs> and then we can see how it's going. <laughs> and regroup. <laughs> Some women fake their orgasms to hear the sound of their own voices. 
<laughs> Ironically, it gets them off. I too have written poems I wanted to be true, but knew likely weren't. Sometimes you want to say the spell, hoping it's enough to cast it. The greatest feminists have also been the greatest lovers. I'm thinking not only of Mary Wollstonecraft and her daughter Mary Shelley, but of Anais Nin, Edna St. Vincent Millay, and of course, Sappho. You cannot divide creative juices from human juices. And as long as juicy women are equated with bad women, we will err on the side of being bad. <laughs> When one reads of a witch being ducked, of a woman possessed by devils, of a wise woman selling herbs, or even of a very remarkable man who had a mother, <laughs> then I think we are on the track of a lost novelist, a suppressed poet, of some mute and inglorious Jane Austen, some Emily Bronte who dashed her brains out on the moor or mopped and mowed about the highways, crazed with the torture that her gift had put her to. Indeed, I would venture to guess that Anon, who wrote so many poems without signing them, was more often than not a woman. <laughs> So I ask again, now what? Well, now we stand up. We do what we have done before. We refuse to accept the status quo, the idea that things can't be improved and that we have no choice. We have a choice and we can choose better. So the question for us all, for you and for me, is this, now what? Now we redouble our efforts. Now. We focus not just on the challenges, but the opportunities that will bring lasting change. <sighs> Sorry, I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> now we be bold and now we be brave. This is our moment and it starts with you. Movements are made from moments. There was a moment when I realized that these two words were enough. There was a moment when I saw it change the trajectory of the black and brown girls' lives in Selma, Alabama. There was a moment when we realized it was bigger than a small town in Alabama. And now we are in a moment when the whole world is ready to join us. This is a survivor's movement a people's movement. And so I'm asking you all to join me. We can change the world. We've already started. If you're ready to change the world, if you're ready to join this movement, if you're ready to do the work that's necessary to end sexual violence, I can only leave you with these two words. Me too.
Yes, please, 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 please. There are roughly 5,000 of us here today, feminists. Um, I don't know if there is anyone here who isn't a feminist. Maybe there might be, or maybe they are, but they don't like to call themselves feminists. Uh, maybe they like to be called Jared or Petra. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, there is nothing homogenous about us, nothing. For the seven or 80 people here who don't know what homogenous means, um, it, it means the same. And we are not. We do not all share the same politics, opinions, values, tastes. We don't look the same. We don't act the same. We don't speak the same. We don't all come from the same backgrounds or the same countries. We don't all come from the same class. We don't all agree on what feminism is or feminism isn't. We are not all on Twitter. We are not all on Facebook. We are not all on Instagram. We are not all optimists or pessimists. We are not all voluptuous. We are not all sexual. We are not all asexual, you get the idea. We do not all like ice cream. Some of us watch Judge Judy. <laughs> but unbelievably, some of us haven't even heard of it. <laughs> That's shocking. Shocking, I know. So why are we all here then? Well, we have one thing in common. We are strong. We are strong. We are strong. We know that being strong doesn't make us less feminine. It doesn't put us... Feel free to cheer and clap. <laughs> it, it doesn't put us at odds with our natural physiognomy because we know the glaring, irrefutable truth that in all the glorious ways that we as women are strong are exactly the way we were intended to be. We were born strong, bred strong, and we became strong through living in a world that would have us believe that weakness, mental and physical, was a defining characteristic of our gender. That strength, towering, unapologetic, determined, righteous strength was not only undesirable in a woman, but unnecessary. And that is just not true. It is a lie. At every single milestone in all our thousands of diverse experiences, was there ever a moment when we did not have to be strong? No. Has everything good, worthwhile, meaningful and valuable in our lives come from our strength? Yes. We come here together today to say to the women and men who are fighting their own personal battles for justice and freedom, we are with you and we are strong. For those people across the world, I've only just started wearing reading glasses, I'm so sorry, I'm really sorry. <laughs> These actually aren't even mine, I had to borrow them from somebody backstage. 
um, we come to, oh, sorry, I've done that. Um, oh God. people across the world trying to change a culture of repression and legislate for real change and equality. For others, we are with you and we are strong. To our sisters in Alabama who are having the rights over their bodies ripped from them, we are with you and we are strong. all over the world who are fighting to end FGM, we are with you. And we are strong. To our sisters in the Middle East in particular, Nadia Murad fighting for the Yazidi people and for her countrywomen who are still held in sexual slavery. You are so strong. And we are with you, and we are strong. So join up, sign up, campaign, and keep fighting, because evil will only triumph when good, strong women do nothing. And we are strong, we are strong, we are strong. In the present state of society, it appears necessary to go back to first principles in search of the most simple truths. It is time to effect a revolution in female manners, time to restore to them their lost dignity. How much more respectable is a woman who earns her own bread by fulfilling any duty than the most accomplished beauty? Yeah, that's me. I, uh... <laughs> You're so pretty, though, Felicity. You are like, so pretty. I was like, who's the slow pug? Oh, all right. <laughs> it's a good show. I was watching. Anyway. <laughs> Men endeavour to sink us lower, merely to render us alluring objects for a moment. All the sacred rights of humanity are violated by insisting on blind obedience. The difference between a broken community and a thriving one is the presence of women who are valued. No country can ever truly flourish if it stifles the potential of its women and deprives itself of the contributions of half of its citizens. When someone is cruel or acts like a bully, you don't stoop to their level. No. Our motto is, when they go low, we go high. If there's one thing I've learned in life, it's the power of using your voice. I tried my best to speak the truth. Yeah. 
process would sacrifice Bryson for so much history yet to be made. You cannot take your freedoms for granted. Just like generations who have come before you, you have to do your part to preserve and protect those freedoms. Mm -hmm. Don't ever make decisions based on fear. Make decisions based on hope and possibility. Make decisions based on what should happen, not on what shouldn't. Every day you have the power to choose our better history by opening your hearts and minds, by speaking up for what you know is right. Don't ever underestimate the importance you can have because history has shown us that courage can be contagious and hope can take on a life of its own. It makes me very happy to see what a few years ago I thought I should never live to see. They said, you will never rouse women. <laughs> well, we have done what they thought and what they hoped impossible. We women are roused. <laughs> Perhaps it is difficult to rouse women and we are long suffering and patient. But now we are roused. <laughs> we, we will, will never, never be quiet, quiet again. That speech from Emmeline Pankhurst uh, was found by Emma Butler, uh, who uh, she and I put that reading together together uh, on our living room floor and sort of you know putting all the cards out. And she found that speech 111 years ago. Emmeline Pankhurst was in prison, and uh, she got out of prison. And they were doing this event in the Royal Albert Hall, and they left a chair, a sort of metaphorical chair, where she would sit, except she was in prison. And when she got out of prison unexpectedly they said, we'll take you home, because obviously she wasn't in a great state physically. She said, no, take me to the Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> and she walked in and no one was expecting her, and she just walked onto stage to this rapturous applause. And what I find most touching about that was that it was another decade before they got the vote for even some women in this country. So sometimes the fight is long, but it always involves, I think, and sometimes I think we forget about this part, uh, the bringing together of people in joy, in applause, in laughter. And, you know, as Gloria Steinem said, uh, if you want to have poetry and sex and joy and music at the end of the revolution, you've got to remember to have it all the way through. So thank you so much for joining us here tonight to do that with us.
legendary Guilty Feminist act. It's the one, the only, the incredible Jessica Foster Q. <laughs> Fucking hell. Royal Elbow, yes, please. This is nice. Uh, I'm a feminist, but I've heaved a baby out and it's another white middle-class man. Um, he's three years old and he's already sexist. I've got evidence. The other day he said, Mummy, are you going to work again? I said, yeah. And he went, why? I said, well, for money and because I love it. And he went, I'm going to come to your work and I'm going to be the best at it. <laughs> I said, oh, are you now? And he went, yeah, I can put my own coat on. <laughs> Once he went, don't dance, mummy, not while I'm eating. <laughs> and the best one is that for about a year, he called the breakfast cereal Weetabix, pick a bitch. And I really want him to grow up to respect women, but I did nothing to correct him. <laughs> it's just a lot more fun of a morning, isn't it? What do you want for breakfast? Um, pick a bitch. And you're looking like that. <laughs> pick a bitch, please. <laughs> my son's a handful. I talk a lot about what a handful he is, so I feel like I need to reassure people that <laughs> in my audiences, I do love him. I couldn't love him more. I think, if anything, though, that makes it more confusing that his company, objectively, some days, is terrible. Um, I think the clichés sum it up best. So I, I do love him so much, so all the clichés are true. I, honestly, without a second's thought, I would jump in front of a car for him. I would. Um, but some days also because of him. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried arguing with somebody who hasn't learned empathy yet. It's really hard. Often it starts from the second you've woken up because when they're three years old, often when you wake up, their little creepy face is already there. <laughs> Usually saying something like, I've had a poo. <laughs> Once I got, all the taps are on. And there, there are days where it can be relentless. There's one particular day that I'll never forget. It was from the second we woke up. I was like, good morning, darling. And he was like, it's not morning, it's lunchtime. I don't like daddy. You're a lizard. You're not my best friend. Oh, here we go. Can I have a knife? No. Can I have a knife? No. Can I have a knife? No. Can I have a toy? Yeah. The toy I want's a knife. No. Come on, let's go and get some breakfast. I don't eat breakfast. I only eat snacks. Can I have a cake? 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 No, can I have a cake? Can I have a cake right now? That is not how you talk to me. Can I have a cake, please? Now I've got to give you a fucking cake. Not even 7 a.m. That goes in, doesn't it? Can I have another cake? 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 Can I have another cake right now, please? Can I have another cake? The thing is, darling, what we've got to learn is that sometimes we want a nice thing and then we have to think, oh, wasn't that a nice thing? It doesn't mean we instantly have to have another four. Can I have four cakes? 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 This went on so incessantly that early that afternoon, I said to a three-year-old who I couldn't love more who asks me for knives, and I meant it, I said to him, do you know what? You can have whatever you want. 
And I swear to you, he went, I don't want whatever I want. <laughs> My friends are so kind. They say, you know, it's just his age. It's just his age. He's just a three-nager. That's what they say now. It's a bit cute, isn't it? I think they should be honest and call him a thrunt. <laughs> I've had to stop swearing so much now that he can talk. I'm having to check my language generally now that he's picking up stuff that I'm saying. I realise my lexicon is a mess. I pick stuff up and I don't necessarily think about all the meanings of it, all the origins of it and stuff. I very casually for a couple of years was saying, oh, come on, grow a pair. I would say it all the time. You heard that? Come on, grow a pair. It means like get braver, get a bit stronger. Come on. And I was saying it all the time because I didn't realise actually, I don't know if you know, um, the phrase is actually about um, balls. Not nipples. <laughs> and if you stop to think about it, it's quite baffling, isn't it, really, that actual testicles have become a universally, internationally, axiomatically accepted symbol of strength, power, and bravery when they have the potential to be licked too hard. <laughs> Sorry, but I've met a braver ice cream. They shy away from a chilly breeze. <laughs> you wouldn't catch a nipple doing that, would you? <laughs> What's that? It's cold out there. I'm joining in. <laughs> Arguably looking my best. <laughs> Similarly, all of our language for weakness is it's just as screwed up. If someone's done something cowardly, someone's done something cowardly, we say, oh, pussy, excuse me. That is not a very cowardly part of the anatomy, thank you very much. Even if it hasn't been through childbirth, which if it has, it's been through more than the character Carrie in the film Carrie. Even if it hasn't been through that, most of them are brave just on account of the adult lifetime of ineptitude they will have endured. <laughs> and because we're in the Royal Albert Hall, probably some of you are in thinking, actually, that comes from the Latin pusillanimous. You're technically correct, but it's about context, isn't it? And I don't think that's what Ian's thinking as he leans out of his white van and shouts, Pussy! <laughs> other words for weakness. <laughs> Other words for weakness that don't work if someone says something weak, they say, oh, they're a chicken. You can cut a chicken's head off and it can still walk. <laughs> and the worst one, this slays me, the worst one, if someone says something cowardly, we say, oh, they're a weed. Uh, I don't know if there's any gardeners in. <laughs> there is nothing weak about a weed. There's a weed called Japanese knotweed, right? It's an actual thing. It's, you can cut it into a hundred bits, put it inside a plastic bag. It makes its way back out of the bag like a fucking zombie. This is a plant. It hasn't even got a face. It gets back out of the bag, rets back up, meets back up with its mates, botanical term, reroots back down into the ground. So powerful, so strong that it can get down and into the foundations of building, smashes them up and destroys the value of property. Weeds can bring down capitalism, guys. <laughs> And I'd like to see a pair of nuts do that. Have an amazing afternoon. Thank you so much. Jessica Fostiger, everybody. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And now, a sexy panel. All right. I, I feel so. like I, I should have gone off and then let you have your moment, but I was pregnant. I was like, oh, that's a fucking chair. I'll take that. No. Yes, please. Felicity, Felicity, it's what we love about you and it's what we want from you. My terrible timing? Yeah. These people have paid... Some of the people in the box seats have paid extortionate money for your timing and they <laughs> love it. Are you well, enjoying Felicity's timing? <laughs> Did you... <laughs> Did, you, did anyone see my absolutely gormless face as I waited for myself to read the card? I was like, duh. Oh, that's a long silence. Oh, that's definitely mean. Okay. All right. Um, so our panel guests today are three incredible women. Uh, one is the youngest MP in living memory. I think... There was one when people used to wear breeches that was younger. I think in the pit, the younger style era. Uh, but in living memory, she's the l- youngest MP. One is the director of Amnesty International UK. And one is an incredible Glaswegian Nigerian jazz singer. So please welcome to the stage the incredible Mari Black MP, Kate Allen, and Boomi Tom. Well done. Hello. 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 Um, So we want to talk a little bit about finding our personal power, finding the thing inside of us that allows us to act. Because I sometimes think there's a lot of talk about awareness now, which is sort of, you know, oh, you've got to be aware, got to be aware. But awareness without action just leads to depression. Which, ironically, they talk about a lot. They talk about awareness with depression. I'm like, we know what it is. Give us some fucking money. (laughs) It's true that if you tell me something terrible is happening to someone in the next room and you should be aware of it, but then you tie me to a chair and say, but you can't go in there and help. I'm just catching the trauma through the wall. Don't tell me. But if I can help, if I can get in there and stop it, then I want to know. And I think we're at the point now where as a society, and I think, to be honest, the success of the Guilty Feminist is a lot about that. It's a lot about people going, I too also feel like I want to be a force for meaningful change, and yet I myself am imperfect, so can I? Can I do this? And so that's what we want to talk about today. What can I do? So the first person I wanted for this panel was Mari Black, because... (laughs) Mari... You were 19 years of age when you decided to stand for Parliament. Now, I can only imagine as a young woman in Glasgow, still a teenager, that it can't have been because you looked at Parliament and thought, well, there's loads of 19-year-old women there. I'll fit right in. I'm sure there's a disco on the 
Friday night. I'm sure it looks fun. And it looks definitely like somewhere I can be. What gave you the audacity, and I don't use that word in a pejorative way, like how were you so audacious to think, yep, that's for me? I think there's a, a genetic thing where Scottish people just like picking a fight. <laughs> it's true. No, um, seriously, it, it came about naturally because I, I never woke up and thought I want to be a politician because anybody who does that should be immediately barred from ever entering it. Um, so it, it was campaigning for Scottish independence and through that I got more and more involved and it ended up that I began educating myself as I was campaigning because I would be standing in Paisley High Street and handing out leaflets and someone would come up and say, right, so what will happen to my pension? And I'll go, I don't know, but I'll find out for you and give me your email address and I'll... I'll find out, so... Thank you. <laughs> the folk who gave me their email addresses probably regretted it eventually, but... Uh, <laughs> so I, I think it was a mixture between naturally immersing myself in it to the point where I'm only going to talk about this if I know about it, and I, it became my lived experience almost. And I think the other big part for me personally is just that I've got the most fantastic family and friends a real, real support network, you know, uh, like that. We've got a group chat on WhatsApp <laughs> where all my pals and my family will scour the internet to find the absolute worst things about me and send me them before anybody else can. <laughs> were you surprised when you were first elected as an MP? Because you're only 20. Yeah, I mean, the honest answer is yes and no, because when I put my name forward to do it, I knew there is every chance that you could end up winning this, so it's not something to take lightly. You have to, are you prepared to do this job? And I thought, no, I'm, I know what I believe, I know what I think, I'll go in there and argue the case. And your maiden speech was incredible. Aye, it went a bit wild, so it did. Yeah. I have to do a share on that. I, <laughs> I like you the appropriate amount. <laughs> But, I, had, um, no, I, I think it was just that, uh, getting involved in it naturally, but also having the sort of upbringing whereby we were always encouraged to talk about whatever we could in my house, and it wasn't good enough just to say, oh, I think a certain thing and that's it. You had to be able to argue it and back it up. So it's only now that I reflect on that that I realise, God, I've been <laughs> geared up for this for a long time. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, so it's, I think it's just a case of knowing what you believe, knowing what's wrong with the world, and I got, managed to somehow get my foot in the door, so I'm not going to let the chance slide to get them to help. No, and you haven't, because you've been re-elected a second yes, time. Yes, I got re-elected. I actually got into politics very young myself. At primary school, I created the Student Representative Council and I remember my first policy was making sure that the canteen was open every day but only sold fruit. So I was a real cunt at school. <laughs> Not very popular. I'm pretty sure the SRC closed down very quickly. So I feel like we're probably on par with experience. <laughs> it does feel good to say in the Royal Albert Hall just quietly. Just to... We're only allowed three and you've just used two, oh. so they did say that it's on the contract. What a pain in... No, yeah, thank just... you. Maori <laughs> uh, might want one. Uh, you don't, don't spend them all. I'm generous. I got to see it in Parliament. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs>
Uh, so there's a young uh, girl in the audience who's here with her dad, Bob. Yes, what's your name? Ema, yep. So Ema is sitting there. How old are you? This is your 13th birthday present. Oh, <laughs> happy birthday. Moved by that. We are Ema's 13th birthday present, just to be clear. I'm so sorry. I just... <laughs> And she wanted an Xbox, so I can only imagine how vastly disappointing this was. So she's shaking her head. I'm just glad I'm not the youngest one in the room. <laughs> well, you, as usual. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're looking at someone like Ema, who's here at 13, engaging in feminism, like, I know at 13, I wasn't asking for my 13th birthday to come to be in a feminist space. Like, this younger generation, I just find them absolutely astounding. Um, Mari, if someone like... Ema's here, she's looking for inspiration. What can you tell her? Should, do you think having now engaged in democracy the way you have, that she should do that? God, I, I mean, the one thing that's missing from politics is ordinary people. Um, I remember the, the irony that I had this conversation with my dad once, but this was way before, you know, politics or standing for parliament was ever even in my head. It was before a football game and we were sitting in the pub and whatever we were talking about, my dad says to me, you know, the problem with politics is that People think it's something over there. It's something that you're born into or that you're employed into. Um, and it, it's something that you have a predestined path to. And most folk see themselves outside of politics and they go, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I really yeah. not. I'm staying clear. I'll listen to someone else's mm -hmm. opinion. When in actual fact, that's the people that we need. You're the one that's living your daily life. You know what the struggles are. You know what kind of challenges you face. You know what would make life easier. So we need people like that in Parliament. Um, and apart from anything else, I need some pals. No. Uh. Is, is your dad adopting or...? <laughs> Bob Did, uh, might be. Bob. Bob, I think Bob is a similar dad like your dad, I'm imagining. Is that right, Bob? Oh, Bob again Not is like going to do a note. Bob, you're so just... Yeah. When I ask you a question, to say yes. <laughs> we covered this earlier. Um, I think the, the fundamental thing for me is that I, I can only talk about something if I can... Like, see, before a speech, for instance, in Parliament, I only ever talk in debates if I think, and I don't mean this to sound arrogant, but I lock myself in a room to the point where I think, I know more about this than anybody else I'm going to encounter in the next two weeks because I've really done my homework. So by the time I get up in that chamber, I'm like, come at me, ask me questions. I've got the answers for them. And if you can get yourself to a point where you've thought harder than anybody else and you've, you've not heard anything that you can't answer, then you're the voice that people are needing. Mm. And if you're in a position where you're able to articulate things or be able to uh, get these arguments out there, even just by example, then by God, do it, because the world is a scary, scary place now and it's getting worse, so we need m more and more normal folk. Are you going to stand again? Uh, at the minute, yes. If, I presume there's going to be an election soon. Uh, How soon do you think you could be Prime Minister? Oh, Christ. <laughs> I like my weekends too much. <laughs> no, I think I would be really depressed if at 50 years from now I'm still doing this job because the only reason I'm doing it at this moment in time is because I realised that I was one of those voices that 
for whatever reason, I am able to articulate it and I don't get scared by rich guys looking down at me, calling me darling. You know, it's, if anything, I like a wee, <laughs> a wee fight. <laughs> um, so I'll be in politics so long as I think there's a need for it, so long as I think I'm adding something. But when you start being in it just because you like the sound of your own voice or because you're comfortable, then you've missed the point entirely and it's time to move on. Wonderful. Kate Allen. Kate Allen, we're very inspired by what Mari's just said. Uh, you are the director of Amnesty International UK. Um, I'm very honoured that you asked me to be an ambassador and we've been working together a lot. Can you talk about how people can take their personal power to come together as a group for others, to change the broader society or to help even individuals? So Amnesty famously helps political prisoners, but you're also working on Northern Ireland abortion, you're also working on climate change because, you know, fresh air and not living underwater is a human right. Um, if we come to Amnesty, how will you galvanise us? So... Amnesty is a movement. We're a movement of ordinary people across the world and people who want to stand up for justice. And what Amnesty does is provide that place to bring people together to do the thinking, to do the work, to do the preparation for that action uh, that does make a difference. So uh, we're very much in the way that we approach the world, like Mari. You have to be able to know what you're talking about, be able to get out there, and to have many, many people with you. So our power is the power of ordinary people. We are across the world. Uh, we're in 70 different countries. We want to be in more. We want to have more and more people with us because I'm sure Murray would say this, the reason why politicians listen to us is because we have so many people and we need more people to have more power. And Deborah is this amazing ambassador for us, as is Juliet, who has led so much of our work on refugees. And having people lend their voices to Amnesty in that way, to reach more people, to bring more people to the human rights struggle, is absolutely vital. And we're doing that work in Northern Ireland. Women do not have the right for abortion in Northern Ireland. They have to leave Northern Ireland uh, to obtain an abortion. Same-sex couples do not have the right to get married in Northern Ireland. It is outrageous, and we uh, will not stop until we see the women of Northern Ireland uh, have uh, that right to abortion. And we do... We do this work across the world. I heard uh, you talk about Alabama and where rights that we thought we'd won are being rolled back. Amnesty in the US is working hard on that. Amnesty in Burkina Faso is working to stop early forced marriages and FGM. Amnesty in Mexico has stood alongside 11 women, women activists, who were arrested, beaten, and raped by security forces. It has taken their fight with Amnesty alongside them 10 years, but they now have won in the Inter-American Court of Human Rights. So we'll stand with you. So Amnesty and the Guilty Feminist are working together now. 
we're reviving the Secret Policeman brand and their live shows with a diverse lineup of comedians and where the bill reflects those whose rights are most routinely taken away. We're also doing Truth to Power Hour through Secret Policeman. Every Friday, 3 p.m., you go to the Amnesty website, you go to the Twitter account, you find out what we're fighting for, and for one hour, we just blitz it, and we speak truth to power. Now, Boomi Thomas, uh, you are a Glaswegian-Nigerian jazz singer. You were born in Glasgow, at three years old, went back to Nigeria. At 18 years of age, Boomi came back here. She's now 36, so over half her life has been in this country, and she's one of our most phenomenal jazz singers. Um, could you please tell us what just happened? Right. So on the 12th of June, I got a letter saying that uh, my application for settlement in the UK had been refused and I had 14 days to appeal or face detention and possible deportation. Now, this was very strange to me because I've had two rounds of discretionary leave that were granted in 2012 and 15 after a human rights application in 2010 when I was 25 and all my life, Glaswegian proud, right? My <laughs> education, everything had been geared towards being here and integrating and expressing and just being the fullness of, of myself. So 25 post-uni, I'm like, all right, I've got to get a job. I'm an artist, I studied fine arts and you know, Sometimes artists don't have a very good reputation. <laughs> so I wanted to get my passport and I was told, well, actually, no, you are not British. You've been here in an illegal capacity. I was very confused because the version of myself on paper and the version of my being were in conflict with each other. And that was the beginning of this 10-year battle in exploring the British Nationality Act set up in, in 1981 and enforced in 83 by Margaret Thatcher saying that children of the colonies no longer had right to automatic citizenship and they needed to be naturalized. Now, this is pre the digital age, people. We're talking phones, letters, you wait three weeks <laughs> for a response. No emails. My parents did not know. In summary... A naturalization form wasn't filled to legitimize my existence and therefore I am in the situation where I'm having to fight with everything that I am for policy review and to stand up for those who are in the same experience but also completely anonymous because maybe they don't have beautiful voices or they don't have a strong creative community that love them and will stand by them through whatever. So I implore you to get involved how can we do that, Bumi? You can. I started a petition called, well, a campaign initially called Justice for Bumi on GoFundMe. By all means, share, spread the word. And then Scotland started a petition just advocating on my behalf so that I can stay. So please sign the petition. Sign the petition. So and we go to change.org. Change.org. And it's Bumi Thomas, B-U-M-I Thomas. And Bumi is going to sing us out at the end of the show. So you're going to hear her incredible voice. And can I say one more thing? Yes, of course you can. I spoke at the House of Commons probably about three months ago, and part of that experience was getting to know your local MP. A lot of people don't see the role that they play. As a constituent, your MP has your ear. Policy review comes from the people. Politics isn't inaccessible to you. Life is political. Every decision has its consequence, and your voice matters. So please, 
get active, find out who represents you, put your voices together and make the change. In the words of Gandhi, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. <laughs> so you can do it and just use your voice and amplify in solidarity and we can change the world for the better. Wonderful. Thank you so much to our incredible panel, the wonderful Mari Black, MP. Thank you. Please don't stop. Please, please, please run again. The incredible Boomy Thomas, who you'll be hearing sing later. We're lucky to have Boomy. Let's all go on change.org and make sure this terrible thing doesn't happen. And the wonderful Kate Allen. Running Amnesty International, it's such a big job, and I really understand more what goes on now there. I'm working with them so much. It's a big organization, and they really do an incredible job, the hours they put in. So thank you. Please join Amnesty, follow Amnesty on social media, get involved, get involved democratically, get involved with Boomi, and as always, the incredible Felicity Ward! Now, I'm briefly interrupting this show. I hope you're enjoying it as much as we enjoyed making it because I wanted to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor. I know it's exciting. We never have a sponsor. Get Around. Now, Get Around is like a car sharing app. It's like the Airbnb of cars. You can rent your car out to somebody else in your neighborhood. Somebody else can rent your car from you, which is all very good for the environment rather than having all of these cars that we share them. And it sounds really collegiate, like a great idea. But most of the people getting free money when their car is just sitting in their street and they're not using it, are men. I don't know if that's because we think, oh, cars, men's domain. But I'm a feminist and I love having a little poodle around in a car. But I don't own one because I live in central London. It's not great for the environment and it's certainly really, really expensive given I'd hardly ever use it. So I use a car club and I've just downloaded Get Around in the app store because I'm going to have a go at it. I'm going to start using other people's cars. And obviously it would be lovely for me if uh, some women in Camden put their cars up and I was using their cars. It sounds like a really nice collegiate community way to share and also make some extra income, which let's be honest, most of us need. So have a little look around and see what you think. And I'll hopefully I'll see you on Get Around. So now I want to invite two other incredible people on. We're doing a little project together inspired by this idea of creating things that could really spread this message and galvanize people who maybe think, oh, I'm not political. So I gave these two people a call and a third who can't be here today. Uh, so we want to announce it. Uh, so let me introduce to the stage Ben Monks, the director of Improbable, and Scarlett Curtis, writer, activist, and founder of Pink Protest. Thank you so much for joining us, Scarlett and Ben. So uh, let us, I suppose, announce this. Um, the new project that we're starting is called, we should probably say it together. Okay, one, two, three. One, two, three. The, the Joyful, Joyful Resistance. Resistance. <laughs> um, so this came about because last Christmas we had a guest called Idalessa who used to run Turkey Amnesty International. 
And she said she saw her country go from effectively a democracy into a police state. And she said, I kept saying, look, this is happening. And people kept saying, don't be so negative at all. Don't put that energy out there. And uh, she one day was just, they came along because she ran Amnesty. She was seen as an agitator and she was taken to prison. And she told me that the things you need to stop the far right encroaching, because it happens so slowly. So she said, you need to resist because the government always looking out the window to see who's resisting. Would they resist if we brought in a more draconian law? So if we start deporting people like Boomi Thomas, will anyone care? So you've got to resist. She said you've got to be resilient in your resistance. If there's 20,000 people at the first march and then eight and then four, they think, aha, we're dwindling them away. And she said the third thing is the thing that the guilty feminist has and lots of other amazing movements have as well. It's the thing that most people forget. It's joy. You've got to have joy because she said for regular people to want to come towards you, she said sometimes the thing that makes you good at resisting makes you good at resisting everyone. So you're resisting the government, but you're also going, you're not good enough and you weren't here on time and it makes you prickly. So she said you need joy. And so thus we came up with the idea for the joyful resistance. And the first person I wanted involved was Scarlett Curtis because Scarlett has created a movement in the pink protest for young people, especially young feminists, and she really understands how to draw people in. Uh, so, Scarlett? I think I can just talk a bit about the joyful side of things, because I, you know, I spent four years of my life with the most crippling depression and anxiety and PTSD, and I never thought I'd find friends or a community or something, like, basically something to live for. And for me, activism is that. Like, it, we talk about it a lot as if it's a very serious thing and a very painful thing and a very traumatic thing, which it is, and there's a lot of that in there. But it can also be the most joyful thing and it can be the most beautiful thing and it can be this moment when you find purpose and community. And I think often people feel like they don't have something to offer. And I just want to say, for sure, every single person in this room has something to offer. Like, I am very good at building websites and writing emails, and that's what I have to offer. And you might be good at something different. You might be good at that, too. And it might not seem like enough on its own, but when we come together, we have a movement because everyone has a different skill, and I think that's what this is going to be for. And what excites me about that is that so many people who say, I'm not political, the thing is, we need those people. We keep fighting with people who are really far-right and white supremacists and misogynists online, they're not coming over, gang. They're not coming over. Forget it. Forget <laughs> it. They're not coming over. In order for effectively fascism or whatever the new version of fascism might be to come in, you need loads of people to look away and say, I don't know about that. That's not my business. Uh, recently in a French village, the police came to take away two refugee boys who were like teenage boys, and everyone in the village came out and stood around them and said, no, they're our sons now. You take them, you take us. And they were like, well, we can't arrest a whole village. <laughs> All right, fine, if you want them that much, keep them. And my question is right now, so Steve Ali, he's a Syrian refugee, he lives in my spare room. Right now, if the police came and took him away, I would go out and try and stop it, but I don't know how many of my neighbours would, and I think a lot of people would go, it's not my business. So my question is, what are our carpool karaoke's? And Scarlett is so good at this, at saying, how do we make this fun? Like, you immediately said, there's no point to the teenage girls who are already into feminism. We need to find the ones that wouldn't even know what that word meant. So you set up, you know, you get jewellery attached to the book, and you set up a stand-in top shop. So then I thought, how are we going to do this? And I thought, well, Improbable Theatre are incredible at running open space events and have changed the face of theatre 
by saying people who love theatre but seem on the margins of that and can't get a purchase into the central space, how do they create their own projects? So Ben, I rang Phelan McDermott, who runs along with Lee Simpson Improbable, and he said, you need to speak to Ben Monks. Yeah, you kindly promoted me to director when you introduced me. Thank you. Um, Lee and Phelan are our two directors, and they've been using open space for... Yes, 10, 12 years now, and it really responds to that thing that you were saying earlier um, in the previous panel about um, what can we do. It was created as a format for holding discussions, really in response to that question, by an American guy called Harrison Owen, who organized a huge uh, flagship tech conference, loads of plenaries and experts and speeches and all of that. And the feedback he got at the end of it was that the bit people enjoyed most was the coffee breaks, because that's when they actually got to talk to people and do the work that they were good at and that they wanted to do. So we've been running open space events to try to replicate that sense of agency and creating communities and spaces in which people can resist to the rise of fascism in whatever way they feel appropriate for them. So we're coming together um, with Nikesh Shukla and we're inviting our communities and whoever's communities to get involved in this. Amnesty International very, very kindly said we can use the space and they will support us. They've got an incredible space in London that feels really creative and all about human rights, loads of breakout spaces, a big theatre in it. And we're doing it on January the 24th and 25th? Yeah, Virginia Woolf's birthday. Virginia Woolf's birthday. We're going to come together in London. Now, we can only fit 250 people in that room, and I feel like everyone in this room is going to want to be there. We're also having one in Bristol. We're host- Nikesh is hosting one in Bristol. We're also hosting one in Glasgow, because that's where the revolution will begin. Um, but what we're hoping is that as soon as those are full, other people will just start them. You'll be able to download the open space pack and all the instructions from Improbable. So if you've got a room above a pub and you can fit 20 people in and you can get 20 people to come, the open space method is so clever, you're going to break out. Your session could just be, I feel lost, or your session could be, I want to make a documentary about this, but I don't know how to do that. And people with money will come together with people with skill, with people with passion, and together we'll create loads of projects that can roll and roll and roll. The only connection will be hashtag joyful resistance. And we want them to be global on January 24th and 25th. Are you guys up for getting involved in the joyful resistance? (laughs) Scarlett, what are you most looking forward to about it? Uh, It's going to be really fun. And also, I just want to say, you know, I never thought I was political. I don't know anything about politics. But if you're a woman, you are political. If you're a person of colour, you are political. If you've ever taken advantage of any of your human rights, you are political. So even if you don't know, like, what the codified constitution means, you are political. That is right. And if you're a man, you're political in different ways, because the patriarchy fucks men too. And can you tell us, Ben because you've already put something in place. You've already started this. You've started rolling. If people want to get involved, at the moment, the announcement of the dates is all that we've got and the first venue, because we've got lots of time to do it. But if people want to get involved, what do they do? They email. If you've got a venue, a pot of gold, an idea, or you want to be involved in some way, email thejoyfulresistance at gmail.com. Email thejoyfulresistance at gmail.com if you want to get involved. And what we're hoping is we can develop also events like this, podcasts, so that, because some people want to be a guilty feminist, and for some people they don't feel that, you know, that this is obviously apologetic, unapologetically a female and non-binary space. We want to extend that now, and we want to say that we're not closing the guilty feminist, that will go on, but something else that is broader and more about 
how people feel who are disenfranchised, what the changes in the world are that are happening that we want to resist. And we want to have a parallel and crossover Venn diagram community with the Guilty Feminist, also with Pink Protest, with Improbable, with The Good Immigrant, where we're all going to come together and pool our resources. Um, thank you so, so much. Scarlett Curtis, I look forward to joyfully resisting with you. Ben Monks at Improbable. This next act is our final act. Uh, thank you so much for coming with us. It's been an amazing afternoon. And I just want to say thank you to all of our incredible stand-up comedians, all the actors who came out and read, absolutely everyone. I don't have time to name everybody, but can we just have a huge round of applause for all of the incredible performers? Before our traditional ending song, we have one more incredible treat for you. Uh, those of you who saw the play Amelia will understand what the speech was. Those of you who didn't get to see it and were like, oh, I'd missed it, you are really in for a treat. I welcome to the stage now, uh, with great joy, the incredible Claire Perkins uh, to perform the final speech from Amelia. I am Emilia. We are Emilia. We are only as powerful as the stories we tell. What can I tell you? I'd like to tell you about anger because it is not just something that passes through like a storm. It is something that forms the core of me. Just as the earth has the heat of its origins deep in its center, I do too. I have been told that my anger is not to be seen on my outside, that it is not seemly, it does not help. I have been told, even by other women, that my anger detracts from what I have tried to say, that it is distracting people from moving forwards because they are too consumed by the guilt I am giving them and that my hatred of the men whose very ills fuel this anger detracts from my arguments. But you say that we hate men as if we silence them, as if we beat and abuse them, rape them, as if we shame them for their desires, as if we restrict them from any kind of independence or agency, as if we hang them, 
and drown them. Stone them. Burn them. I am 76 years old and I am holding in me a muscle memory of every woman who came before me. And I will send more for those who come after. For Eve. For every Eve. I don't know if you feel this. Do you feel this inside you? And you don't need to be a woman to know what's coming. Because why have our stories been ignored for so long? Ask yourselves why? Listen to us. Listen to every woman who came before you. And listen to every woman with you now. And listen when I say to you to take the fire as your own. That anger that you feel, it is yours and you can use it. We need you to. We want you to. See how far we have come. Don't stop now. The houses that have been built around us are not made of stone. The stakes that we have been tied to will not survive if our flames burn bright. And if they try to burn you, may your flames be stronger than theirs so that you can burn the whole fucking house down. to everyone at the Royal Albert Hall for having us. It's been absolutely an incredible experience and I really would like to come back. Um, <laughs> I'll do a week now. Uh, it's been really amazing. Thank you for everyone who bought a ticket. Thank you for everyone who told someone. Thank you all for coming together in feminism and joy to be with us and we hope you join the Joyful Resistance too. To close us out and bring us home, in our traditional style, we have I Will Survive. Please welcome to the stage Jess Robinson and Boomy Thomas! And David the Quavers!
was afraid, I was petrified, kept thinking how I could ever live without you by my side, then I spent so many nights thinking about how you did me wrong, and I grew strong, yes I learned how to get along.
We hope you enjoyed these two episodes of The Guilty Feminist at the Royal Albert Hall as much as we enjoyed making them. I also want to give a big, big thank you to Hannah Gadsby, who we weren't able to include in the recording, but partly because she included material from Douglas, her live show that's coming very soon to London and the rest of the UK and all over the world. So please go to her website, hannahgadsby.com.au to see when it's coming to you. It'll be in Australia, it'll be in New Zealand, it'll be in Europe. Do not miss it. It is absolutely epic. And we also want to thank our sponsors. First time we've ever had a sponsor. Get Around, the car sharing app that lets you rent cars in your neighbourhood so feminists can drive each other's cars. It's good for the environment. And also you could make a little bit of money on the side that you could use for feminist machinations. Search Get Around the App Store. I've just downloaded it. Hope to see you there. And thank you so much for listening, for sharing, for being the best audience in the world. You're all amazing, Guilty Feminists. I've been Deborah. Bye-bye.